Uh, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to a slight late edition of uh, the Men's Mental Health Show here on 89.1 RBM-FM. I'm your host, Bradley Spillane. Um, fortunately, we had a late cancellation yesterday of our uh, guest, Nick Newling. Uh, he sends his apologies. Um, there was a bit of a COVID issue through the family there, and uh, hence the fact, uh, just as a precaution, um, we're having to uh, postpone that uh, interview for today with Nick. We're just going to head to a song uh, quickly before we uh, come back with um, with the show. I'm with uh, my my uh, offsider here, Bodie Marsden. Good morning, Bodes. Morning. And uh, we'll be back with you in just a moment, folks. Uh, you're back here with the uh, Men's Mental Health Show. I'm your host, uh, Bradley Spillo Spillane, and um, alongside me today is uh, Bodie Marsden, psychotherapist. How's your week been, first of all, Bodes? Yeah, pretty, um, pretty reasonable. Um, you know, I'm sort of... Um, it's a funny thing, you ask uh, someone, you know, how they are, and um, what I'm always mindful of is, you know, what might I say about that? What... what uh, how deep might I go? Um, you know, do I explore the sort of vulnerable places? Do I um, stay with um, places of stuckness, of uncertainty? I'm not sure what I might say today, those sorts of things. Um, or, or do I put on the face and say, no, it's all good, it's all good. Um, you know, so, so this is, we're mindful of Walt Whitman, the, uh, the uh, American poet. Um, he, uh, I've got some things that I would like to talk a little bit later on about that, but he, um, he said, you know, speak to me. Um, um, I'll tarry a moment if you speak to me. Um, I just love that uh, invitation to, to speak, but speak fully, speak deeply. Don't offer me the usual stories. Um, tell me about your contradictions. So that's Walt Whitman, yeah? yeah. Um, Camus said the same, you know, that famous philosopher, um, who unfortunately um, died in a car crash. He took a ride from someone rather than um, take, taking the bus ticket they had in his pocket and the car crashed and he lost his life in it. But he said that life is essentially um, one of ab absurdity and a reality that always misses the mark. It never actually speaks directly to us. We're always frustrated by the reality of something. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So if we can find a, a, a way forward through the fact of life is absurd, um, and we will always be frustrated at some length by what's happening around us, if we can navigate that territory without getting outraged by the frustration or overwhelmed by the absurdity of it, uh, we might leave some really useful marks um, on others that help all of us to navigate the territory. So that's a pretty profound insight. And I think... Um, depression and anxiety um, and a lot of mental health disorders come from a frustration of what it is that we think we're entitled to or what it is that we think we need. Um, and we can get caught up in a considerable um, angst about things are not working out the way I, I want them to work mm. out. Mm. Um, and that can lead then to depression or an anxiety that one never has a, um, a, a handle on existence. Because at one level... That's not really possible. The paradox is that it's not really possible to have, mm. to have a to have a handle of, on any, on everything. Mm. Um, I, I guess if it's okay, if it's to, to simplify that um, yeah. and to talk about that as it, as it, when you mention entitlement um, and frustration, 
it's it, it's a horrible thing to have when you when you're depressed is to go through frustration. And of course, because the first emotion in response to that is often anger, yeah. um, particularly you know when I'm, I've been I talk about uh, you know myself currently and in the past. Yes. Um, and and so with that, it, it's hard to actually uh, I guess process or take that time to be able to sit as we often talk about, to be able to sit and, and, and within yourself and, and be able to um, understand that moment. We, you know, moment is a, is a terrific word, particularly when we, when we talk about mental health, being in the moment. And then that, 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 that applies, that surmounts into more frustration, you know, or compounds into more frustration when you have other things that, you know, in your home life, um, you know, in traffic, um, and it just makes a lot of things uh, more difficult, I found, and I do still find at times, to process. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, um, I think all of us have to wrestle with this frustration, um, with this idea that the world's against me, mm. um, or, um, or I, I only know the truth of a particular line of questioning or a particular argument, or that I even know my own reality at any, at any given moment. I mean, we're all trained at some level to operate on the basis that we know what we're on about. Um, but inc increasingly it looks like um, that we only always have a provisional understanding of what's going on in ourselves at any given moment. Mm. And it's only when we step back into silence or meditation or in a therapeutic space that we start to actually have a different conversation that brings in contradictions of um, desire and intent and parts of self um, that bring in overwhelm and exhaustion, um, but that also allow in the silence um, a, a, a reconnection to another part of you that's more hopeful or mm. less inclined to get too aroused by much of anything. It's a sort of phlegmatic sort of part that just goes, oh, okay, well, that's... Mm. That's what's going on. Mm. That's the reality here. Um, I'll adjust my expectations to the reality of the situation rather than thumping the table and demanding mm. immediate service. Mm. Whatever. Terrific, Bates. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Uh, well, for me, and, I, and I'm sure I was, I, was, I was talking to a chap that had previously been on the show this uh, I think he was on my second or third episode, Benji, and he also, he's a technician here at the station. We were having a, a, a very good conversation uh, this morning in, in, in similar okay. circumstances. So it's, uh, it's quite interesting that uh, you bring that up. We, we, we were to have a show today um, really uh, on suicide in 2017. Horrid year, and being a music lover myself, um, of course, there was the, the passing and um, of many listeners may know of Chris Cornell, of course, the lead singer of, of Soundgarden. We were talking the other day, you and I. Yeah. And his very good friend, um, Chester Beddington, who, of course, the lead singer from uh, Lincoln Park. Um, and I think uh, uh, Chris Cornell passed away, um, I think it was around the 18th. Um, I, look, don't quote me, um, in May of 2017. And... I'm, I'm getting to the knock-on effect of suicide here, but mm. Chester then, um, you know, he left behind three three beautiful children, did Chris Cornell, and an amazing talent. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But his schedule of, um, uh, I guess, media, you know, interviews and, and doing shows, going to different cities and, 
you know, he had been clean from alcohol, I, I, I believe, for some time. But of course, he was then um, self-medicating to keep himself away through um, uh, cold and flu tablets and no-dose mm. tablets, mm. which we'll talk about in a moment. Mm. Horrible things. And Chester uh, uh, was so overwhelmed, he couldn't even uh, get through uh, the song in rehearsal. And then, of course, at the funeral, it was just uh, so overwhelming for him. And uh, he made a quote um, that said, I, I just can't live. I can't imagine life without you. I can't live without you. But I wanted to, to, to talk about, when we come to that in a moment, that with the passing of, of Chris Cornell, it was funny because it was actually his wife. He made a call after he did a show and his wife just, not, she picked up something that he just, it, he wasn't himself. And uh, the security guard had thought the same thing and so did two of his band members and, and one of the crew. Yeah. So I think there were six people that, had, no, that had, had thought to themselves and of course, you know, hindsight, uh, it can, you know, looking back, uh, could have uh, changed circumstances. Mm. And we often talk about if you see an adjustment in somebody, we each have a responsibility to act. And, and I want to talk about again here, and I know we repeat things on, on what to mm. say, and I'm covering a lot of things here, so just bear with me, folks. But those people then, you know, of course, his wife made a call and, and the security guard went in and, and checked and, of course, um, he, he, he'd passed away uh, by um, suicide by hanging. Those people have to live with that and are still carrying that um, yeah. for the lack of um, action. Yeah. Um, and, of course, uh, Chester also felt the same thing and, and we saw, well, we know what happened to Chester, which we'll come to... Uh, again in a moment, but I want to talk about that knock-on effect and and also too, um, what do we do when we notice a difference in someone? What's a good idea? Because a, a, a huge thing is the biggest question that we often get is, is 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 I get a lot of time, and I'm sure you do as a psychotherapist. Mm. People say to me, Spiller, when when someone's not well, what do I say? You know, if they say I, I want to die, and the first thing is I say why, and I say, well, look, that that sort of comes across as, as almost as judgment mm -hmm. to somebody that's in that much despair. <clears throat> what do we say? What do we do? It's a tough one, isn't it? No, it is, it is um, a tough one. Um, and there's no easy answer um, on this, but no. um, there are um, recommendations, um, like listening without judgment to someone who's expressing uh, despair um, they, they are, the mental health people say, um, listen for what a person is saying, and if they're, talk, if they're talking about um, ways to die, or they're talking about uh, the, relief, you know, the relief that one must have when one's life has come to an end, um, and they're doing that in a philosophic uh, way, or in a way with some yearning in it, um, you know, <coughs> then you might... And then you definitely um, need to say to the person, gee, I'm listening to you and I'm starting to feel that what you're telling me is that your life has become unbearable and you're really starting to think about how you might take your own life. Mm. Can you be straight with me? Is that what, is that, you know, cause I, because for me that would leave, uh, my burden would be to carry that 
um, and that I didn't in, 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 didn't check you out. I didn't. Mm. You know, if you if you're going to tell me, you'd know you uh, and give me profound reasons why you think it's your time. Um, maybe I can walk with you. Maybe I can't. Maybe I'll put you in a straitjacket and take you off to South Pacific. You know, for a three-week compulsory pro program, mm. <laughs> or maybe I'll you know. Um, um, get a whole lot of friends around you and we'll put you on suicide watch, you know, whatever. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but um, people do give um, sort of kind of clues. I, I, I think that there's always someone who's been very profoundly depressed and suddenly um, comes right, you know, that they're jolly. Often what gives us a signal about intent is that they've finally come to terms with their decision, which is to take my own life. Mm. And so there's a, a the, what happens is that an, there's an increase in um, affability on that person. Um, and that, this is not in every case, so I, I hasten to add, but there's an affability um, and the jollility. And, and you, you'd have to say to yourself, wow, what's, what's that coming from? Is he taking something? Uh, is he medicating, um, or has he arrived yeah. at a decision? Yeah. So again, you've got an, an opportunity to have a, have a direct con conversation. It's not easy. Um, um, you know, I, I know a mum who um, was concerned about her, her son's um, marijuana use, and um, would say to him, "Son, can we talk about this?" Mm. Um, and generally, I mean, um, you know, they had, they had a very good relationship, mm. but he slammed her back with the words, don't ever talk to me about my marijuana use. Mm -hmm. And about a month later, um, uh, uh, he took his life. And of course the, of course the mother, um, uh, the flow on effect is that the mother has been struggling um, to uh, understand what she, uh, two things, what she could have done um, and, um, and, and ultimately was she a bad mum. So she, 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 she was pursued by these awful, paradoxical, unresolvable ideas about herself. Um, and we're talking about th th uh, uh, the, um, almost three years on from that event, and these questions are still as salient, still as strong, still as troubling for her. Um, so that's kind of, kind of legacy stuff. But, but, but I think... Um, She'd be going through the same... I have no doubt that she's probably questioned the fact, you know, of suicide herself. Yes. Um, um, you know, this is, this is what it does. Yes. And, and she's probably taking a lot of that blame. Yeah. I could have, I should have. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, you speak the truth. I mean, um, you know, that, that um, families which, who have had suicide um, in their story um, more frequently uh, other members commit suicide. So I had a guy um, who um, came into my practice, um, had a bust up with his girlfriend. He, you know, it was the first session, he came in, halfway through, he said, <clears throat> I'm going to commit suicide. I've got the rope in the truck. After this session, I'm heading off. I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I said... Well, if that's the case, I'm going to ring up the police to, uh, yeah. and I'm going to get your number of your truck and I'm going to tell them that you have indicated to me in a session that you're going to so commit suicide. That's what you said? Absolutely, straight out. Yeah. That's what and, I said. And, and as a therapist, that, you have to do that. 
you, that is your, isn't it, really? Yeah, yes, yes. Um, um, uh, yeah, you're, you're obliged to let someone know that yeah. you know a person who is at risk to themselves or, or, or to someone else, mm. and then mm. you have to advise the police. You have to advise the shame, the, isn't the it? Department of Community Services, yeah. that, you know, that sort of stuff um, for that. But what was really interesting is when I confronted him mm. with the fact that I was, I, you know, would take these steps. Yeah. He yelled and he stomped and he's, uh, you know, big man. Um, I, I Must be pretty intimidating. Well, you know, he's got nothing to lose, and you're in a small room with this gentleman. Yeah, yeah, I, I am in a small room, um, but um, you know, I'm old enough now to sort of uh, duck and weave. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you're quicker on your feet. Yeah. Well, you would mean the humour in this. This is a serious matter. But, sorry, you know, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah, 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 but this uh, is real. Yeah, the, the, and, and, this was a real situation yeah, that happened yeah, sure. in, in my practice, mm. and um, and his rage, um, he needed to uh, um, get that let out. me know just how frustrated he was by the fact that I was that even um, I was standing in the way of his solution because because mm. it was a solution, um, but um, he he quietened down after about ten minutes of gesticulation and you know stomping and that sort of stuff. And then I started to talk about, well, look, you know, if you wanted to work with me, I was willing to, to work with him in this intense reality that mm. was he, he was experiencing, um, that I, what I required from him was a contractual un agreement between him and I that he wouldn't commit suicide while he was working with me. And that we would talk a, a lot about, um, you know, what, what was happening in his life that led him to sort of walk down this path. Of course, in the conversations that lasted over a year, um, um, I discovered that uh, 16 years prior, his sister had committed suicide. Yeah, so, so hence, um, and it was a, when Matt Cobain, is it? Ah, uh, uh, Kurt. Kurt. Yeah, Kurt Cobain. Nirvana. Nirvana, uh, Nirvana yeah. exactly, yeah. when he took his life. Mm. Um, schools in, um, in New South Wales uh, went on suicide watch for, for copycat. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, you know, this is also part of the ripple effect. Um, yeah, um, that, absolutely. Um, because if someone who you've believed and loved their music um, mm. takes that choice, um, mm. it kind of validates the suicide as an option. And so you do have to t increase your surveillance, if you like, of the people around you um, in that time. So there are, I, I guess what we're unaccustomed to is this idea of keeping an eye on each other. Mm. Um, mm. You know, the, the assumption is that everybody's taking care of business, for, um, you know, by themselves mm. and everybody's okay. Mm. But I think what's increasingly um, uh, apparent, even in this COVID time, is that actually uh, there are a whole lot of things that um, are challenges for existence. Mm. I, I call it the toil of existence. Mm. And uh, we do have to... Um, develop those skills and those tools to remain connected with each other mm -hmm. so that when someone is not traveling that well services are recommended services are provided um, people aren't left to sort of um, try and manage on their own that idea doesn't work yeah yeah well, and i think that that's a terrific point it, it, it brings me to um uh a situation which which i'll you know i'll share with with, mm. with the listeners, and that is, of course, uh, I'll give the reasoning for me to come out here to the mountains. I'm originally Narrabeen or Northern mm. Beaches boy. Um, 
and uh, I just come out. I think, uh, of course, I had a, a serious attempt on the fourth of sixth uh, of uh, July, two thousand fourteen. Of course, um, you know, twenty-seven facial fractures, eleven titanium plates, and compression fractures of the neck. And so I, I did, uh, I think, three separate visits to a clinic there at Mossman, and uh, it came all good. And once I came out, um, I, I noticed, I guess, over time that I wasn't improving my situation in life, still wasn't of the quality that I had. I'd lost my business. I'd lost uh, visitation of my children. Um, obviously, my marriage had broken down. Um, and... Uh, Again, uh, I'd, I'd fallen back into some similar habits of, of self-medication, um, talking alcohol and some substance. Um, and at this stage of my life, um, uh, I, I had been placed on certain medications. I stopped taking them. Um, I was also on some pain medications, and that's the substance I guess I'm talking about. I'd, I'd increased my usage, and of mm -hmm. course, when you're on certain um, opiates, um, they can really play around with your mood and, um, you know, Valium. Um, and then, of course, you know, it's a, it's a cocktail. So I remember standing at the back of my... F where I used to work as an estate agent, uh, uh, you know, uh, I hadn't been in real estate at that stage, I think, for almost eight years. But it was at the back of uh, the estate agency was my father's office there at uh, Dorf Spillane in DY. And uh, I came back from a night out uh, to go and see... Um, a good mate of mine, uh, who was my drummer in my first band, The Stone Crows. Um, and so I was there with my good friend Max, Max Raffin. Um, Max is a Lawson boy. And oh. uh, stood there in the back of... Uh, and, and Max was one of the few people that came and saw me at, at Mossman. Yeah. Um, and, and this is now... I think it's around early, mid-August, OK? So, so we're looking at seven months, eight months down the track. And I was standing at the back of the office and I just said to Max, uh, and this is, this is the state I was in, I said, look, the amount of pain that I'm causing others, to my family, to my father, to my sister, my brother, um, not to mention what... My, and my mum was the only one in my family that had been in my corner, that I'd put everybody through, um, it has to stop. And, and I've come to the decision that this time I'm going to do it right. Um, but it's okay, Max, because, you know, the burden, it, 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 it will be released. It, it, it's, everyone mm -hmm. won't have to mm -hmm. matter. And, and particularly myself, the physical uh, and the mental pain I've been in, and I'll be relieved. Um, and that place that I'll be going to, is, is, it's fine. And that's, and that's where I'd come to. And Max... A tear streaming down his cheek. Didn't interrupt. Just listened the entire time. And um, and I I was seeing someone normally when I see someone cry, as you see when we've had mm, in the mm, studio. Mm. I often, you know, mm. will cry or listen, yeah, and, tear up, yeah. and, and I tear up as well. And, and I didn't. I was that numb. And that that essentially is the the ultimate word. I was I was that numb. So he put his hands both on uh, hand on either shoulder and he just said to me, he said, Spillo, can you just give me one chance? Come with me. Come live with my family. Move with me to the mountains. Um, see how we live. Um, just give it, just give it a month. Wow. And, and it was such, and, and you know, he didn't ask twice, and I listened to him. But when I saw the way he was, I came out of this place of numbness. 
And it drew me back to, well, here's a guy. He was one of the few. I was one of two blokes that came and saw me in hospital. Because, it, it, and it wasn't, and I'm not saying it was any of my mates' faults, just, just on that. It, it, I was so angry that, it, 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 I guess, the anger that I had was the only thing that I could use as my defence. Okay, so when people would say, why, it was almost like a sense of shame. So to deal with that shame, I was like, just, I don't, go away. I don't want to talk about it. I'll call you later. Or I wouldn't answer the calls, or, or hence. Um, uh, and, of course, they get passed on, look, Spillo needs space or time or whatever. So there's no blame there towards others. This is all my own doing. But when I moved out here to the mountains, um, I, I lived in, and they moved, put me in a, in a spare room. It was beautiful. They had a, mm. a, a, at the time, Chikura, um, his daughter, a beautiful young girl, um, five or six at the time. Mm. Uh, but everything was a completely different lifestyle that I'd been living or had ever lived. Everything I'd, uh, that they cooked. Um, and, they, and, and Claire, his, uh, his partner, uh, Claire Wilson, I'd known Claire since I was five, she cooked everything of soft foods, of course, at the time, you know, not long out of, uh, you know, my teeth are all shattered mm -hmm. and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So everything she had cooked was for soft foods. It was just, I could see the amount of love that I'd been, that they were giving me. And I hadn't felt that for some time, uh, probably a, almost a year now, okay? And it was probably, well, it wasn't probably, it was because I wasn't accepting mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. I wasn't taking it. Mm. Um, uh, because of everything that I had lost. But all their foods were organic. Um, everything, and I'd never had that. You know, I mean, everything, spelt bread, mm. uh, from mm. the poultry uh, to, to everything. And, uh, you know, uh, you know they, they grew their own vegetables, much like yourself, Bodie. Mm -hmm. uh, for those uh, that, that don't know, Bodie's got some <laughs> about the best, you know, veggie garden I've ever seen. But much themselves, and then after a week we went to Newcastle, we picked up a caravan and we put me out the back, but every night they, I went inside and I sat around a table and I had this, for the first time, this sense of belonging, Wow. okay? And yeah, it was yeah. just such a power, powerful feeling that I felt like I was part of this family and that's a massive thanks to Max and Claire. Um, but, you know, th that was a, a terrific, for me, and I'll never ever forget that. I, I continue to thank them to this day, and um, of course, and and I'd never, I'd never experienced a lifestyle, of course, in the mountains. Everything is almost in slow motion, of course. When you come from the northern beaches, um, where everything is just so fast, you know, everyone's yeah. in a hurry to go. So I don't know where they're going because you know they speed from one set of lights to the next, only to get red, um, and it makes no sense. But you know, to have that sense of uh, love, but to have that sense of belonging. So yeah. I guess that's a, a that's a a powerful thing. Is if if you see someone in that sense of uh, or, or that you know area of despair or when they're down, make them feel like they belong. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. these are some of the things that we can do. Look, we, I, I just love what you're saying there. That um, something something's interesting, isn't it? Spillo needs some time alone. So that's what a lot of people sort of probably thought, because you would you were abrupt, you would say, "Just leave me alone. I'm going to get through this," and mm. blah blah blah, and um, and and so um, a lot, most people kind of hear that and think, "Oh, well, that's what he needs the space, so I'll back off." But it's just in that moment 
that's what you were feeling. The next moment, um, you might have said, oh, thank you so much. So the brilliance, you know what I mean? Like, within, like, a, within 30, as soon as I'd probably had said that, yeah. And, okay. and Max, and, and you put your spot on, Bodes, yeah, as yeah, you yeah. always are. And I'd said that to I said, mate, you know, yeah. and I was angry. And then I said, this is my reasons. Yeah, yeah. And, and then Max could see that immediate shift. Yeah. And he knew. It was, it was almost second nature. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he's yeah. never had anything, you know, experienced anything okay. like that in his life. Okay. But an extremely loving man is yes, Max. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, he's a stonemason. He's a man's wow. man. He's a wow. strong yeah, yeah. Uh, man. He's grown up. His uh, father had not long passed away, I think uh, only 18 months prior. So, um, and come from, a, you know, his, his mum and dad were, were separated at a young age. But, you know, he, he was, you know, and still to this day, he's a strong man, but he's a sensitive man. And, yes. you know, I owe my life to him. Yes. But you're right, you're spot on that that shift immediately from that anger, which Ab we talk about so often with men. Absolutely. And I, th that. I think that's, that's something I, that we can talk about here is that um, nothing's fixed. If we, everything's provisional. So if, if, you, if you're rebuffed by someone, uh, don't take that as the last word and shuffle off. Um, come back. And this is, as you say, Max and Claire, they, um, that was his transformative moment that he just allowed himself to feel what he was feeling, uh, given, you know, the place that you were in. And he said, well, come with us. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he, he offered a, um, uh, food at his table. Mm -hmm. And that, that marvellous um, um, gesture of, well, come into our space, we'll look after you for a while, because you, you can see that um, <clears throat> you, you need to have this um, alone a, a space in which you can be nourished. Mm. And so this awful, hard reality of I'm checking out, um, 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 those, those edges start to soften mm. and you become included in the fellowship and love of a good family mm. um, and you start to warm up again. Because when you're contemplating well, can, yeah, suicide, can, yeah. it's a pretty cold place. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, both. It's a cold place. You so know. so, so in, listeners, if you've got someone who's... Who you're, who you're concerned about, um, I guess what we're saying is don't um, allow yourself to be um, pushed away, um, uh, keep, keep stepping forward. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, we're just going to go to a break, but I want to uh, invite the listeners, if, if you've got any questions <coughs> for, for Bodie or myself, um, send me a text 0404 just going to go to uh, just a couple of short messages and a song. Uh, we're back on the Men's Mental Health Show. And, uh, of course, we're brought to you uh, by uh, Noel Pope, good friend of uh, mine and um, uh, the Greater Lawson community down there at the post office. Thank you very much for your ongoing support. And I uh, also want to say a big thanks to uh, my good friend down there at, um, at Mounties Group, um, at, uh, down there, of course, Mount Pritchard. I know they're a little bit distance away. Uh, doing some amazing things in the community. It's almost like they're setting up their own Medicare. They um, uh, send uh, many meals out to, uh, to the elderly, uh, take them to their doctors, uh, uh, get their uh, medications and all of that type of stuff. So doing some terrific things in the community down there, uh, Dale Hunt and uh, the Mounties Group. Just before we... Um, we, we went to, uh, to the break, uh, we were talking about um, uh, back in uh, 2014, it was a, a pretty big year sort of, uh, I guess for me, uh, sort of 
The word that uh, we were using off, year, off air a moment ago, Bodhi and I, was that transcending. Um, and uh, of course, when I came up here, I was talking about my good friends, Max and Claire, who took me away from that environment, if that's a good word, Bodes. Um, and uh, really got me to, I guess, uh, slow down, just, just get into the moment. I, if Actually, um, and I say this quite often because I used to, in, in that time where I was, obviously losing, you know, not seeing my kids, and, and, and I, I say today, uh, uh, listeners, just so you know, um, you know, I, I got a bit upset at the time and, and all these reasons as to why I should and, and, and you know, I look back now, there is absolutely not a single reason as to why I should have been able to see my kids. I was not uh, in a good place. I was not stable and, uh, and it was uh, the right thing uh, at the time. But, but I, I just want to, uh, I guess, uh, say uh, when I, I used to have people say to me, Spillo, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And, and it used to drive me absolutely mad and, and of course, being angry. And I, I, and I hated it. But when Max and Claire brought me up here, um, time became my friend. And it was that, that, you know, that saying, it's a great healer. I honestly don't think there was a better healer for me than time. Um, of course, I then met another Claire who, who um, you know, I can talk about at length at a different time, but, you know, it, it became a good friend of mine and I, I all of a sudden stopped all those things about why I should and what is my right uh, and, uh, you know, expectation um, and, and what, what became, you know, sort of going down there, waiting around the corner to see if I could see my children leaving to go to school, whatever reason, mm -hmm. just became an email to my ex-wife to say, could I just speak to them? Just a conversation. Um, things are starting to improve. Um, and, and, you know, my ex-wife, a very reasonable person, started to then understand and allow, and every now and then I would slip off the rails and I'd be pulled back into line. But it, uh, you know, uh, it was, it, it, it is, it's a great healer, isn't it? Yeah, time, um, for sure, um, you know, allows um, some settling of uh, trauma um, that has caused a tremendous disturbance inside one's grasp of reality. And I think we need time for all that trauma to subside, to to find its place um, in other things, to be... Um, it's interesting, uh, maybe what I'll start talking about a little, a, a little bit here, is you, you mentioned belonging, that the family of Max and Claire <coughs> gave you a space in which you could see family life um, in a way that was harmonious and respectful and tender towards each other. And it, it may well have had a, 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 a salutary effect on bringing stillness in you and a healing, that, 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 that experiencing allowed you to then to um, become more still and also increase your connection, if you like, to your, to your own children and to your own recovery. Um, it's certainly, as you described, that intensity of busyness and, and a lifestyle that was characterised by, um, you know, a lot of running around and 
um, high impact sort of lifestyle and that mm. sort of stuff, that <clears throat> when there's an absence of stillness or quiet um, in, in very busy lives, something's stolen from us, and that is that capacity to um, step away from... Yeah, no, it's stolen. Just to step yeah. away from that idea of that in order to be human, one has to be productive, one has to be in the top of the game. They are compelling ideas if we think that life is nothing but an economy. Mm. Yeah, that's and, and, and that's what it was like for me, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had to provide. Uh, you know, I think I was looking at my overhead to a new four or five thousand dollars a month. Um, I wasn't an estate agent, any. I wasn't making you know uh, high six-figure sums. Um, I was uh, I was a gardener essentially. I had uh, staff that I had to pay. Of course, when you have your own business, you pay your staff before you pay yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but essentially, I changed that as a decision uh, between the both of us, my, my ex-wife and I, was to do that so I could spend time with my children. Um, you know, I love my father and, and, you know, terrific, but when I was growing up, I didn't see a lot of my father. So I essentially tried to do that, but there was still just that, you know, mm-hmm. everything was just fun. My daughter, mm-hmm. 14 activities a week or the 13 activities a week. Uh, so you can imagine the running around just for that, yeah, yeah, yeah. between four <laughs> and six of an afternoon. Um, there was never a moment where you could stop. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I used to get, I used to say, um, I just want to, on a Sunday, I just like to have a nap. Mm, you know, mm, it was the only mm. real time. Okay. Um, and and my, my ex-wife could stay up till one or two in the morning and wake up seven in the, well, she'd never, often never not wake up at seven in the morning, but she could stay up late. But I, I couldn't operate on four or five hours sleep. We saw that last week when I was hosting the show. If, you, yep. if anyone yep. listened in, I, I wasn't myself last week. Obviously, I have uh, pain issues at times. But um, I've had a good sleep tonight and, you know, I, I've, I've had a couple of coffees which should make me sort of go a little bit faster. But I can even feel it in myself. I've, I'm a lot slower or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm responding and listening and, and not bouncing around. But... Um, you know that 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 sense of uh, slowing down everything and um, more or less taking in, just sitting back and watching. I, I, sure. I was absolutely, sure. I'd never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. there, there, obviously there was things at times where I saw that they would do, which I did completely different in my family. Mm-hmm. And never at any stage did I say, "Why do you do that? That's wrong." Um, I didn't pass judgment, and, and it was just purely because I was, I was for the first time just getting so much love, um, attention. Uh, what can we do for you? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can I take you there? Uh, I didn't have a car. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my car keys. Um, cooking this for dinner tonight. Um, and and to cure the little girl, she was just wonderful. We have a... A beautiful relationship today. Mm. Of course, I've got mm. my little dog, Munster. She did a just... And I don't see a lot of uh, Takura today, obviously, mm. you know, mm. but lives change. Um, I still go around there, of course. I'll see them once a month, I guess, but uh, sometimes more. But she did this... And I'll, I'll put it up on the on the website or the page. This most beautiful drawing of Munster, uh, which was chalk. Uh, it was done by chalk. And it's the first thing I see when I wake up and the last thing I see when I go to bed, which is next to my kids, obviously. Yeah. But 
it, 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 that was just such a, a typical thing of, of what this family would do. Yes. And, they, and they knew that um, they could see that my life was changing. Obviously, they, they weren't seeing a lot of me. Um, and, and still today, uh, you know, there's, there's no judgment. Uh, things, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's, I would like to say that, um, um, that Simone Weil, uh, he's a very interesting, um, now deceased of course, but a philosopher, but she wrote a body of stuff. She was a mystic um, and, and wrote um, very uh, interesting ideas. But one of the things she said was that um, contradictions offer us a lever for transcendence. So what does that mean? <clears throat> it means that if we can accept that life is a, is a series of contradictions, it's a, it's a means by which we can step beyond the contradictions into a place of personal satisfaction or a place of growth or a place of tolerance for the reality of existence and the, um, and the requirements that it makes of us to become. Uh, to, to become. So that's, um, it's a lever, like a lever pushing stones around in a big field or, or, or digging out foundations, um, but it gets us to transcendence. And I think what you've often said is that I had a life, but now I've got an entirely different life. And now I find myself um, interested in all sorts of things to do with people who are marginalised, um, um, uh, Aboriginal issues, um, uh, you know, get um, the sense of purpose, and, uh, it, and it's, exactly. gi it's given you, it's given you. So you have transcended yourself, mm. um, and we owe our transcendence to what other people um, sometimes provide for us. It's not all our own doing. Um, so Claire and Max provided you with a means of transcendence, mm. and um, and you took it. You know, your genius was that you took it. Mm. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> yeah. We'll move and we talk about that. Um, and I all of a I guess I all of a sudden took myself out of being ahead of time and started living in for the very first time in my life, which at first, I guess, that was the only thing I found difficult was being or living in the moment. Okay. And we hear that so often. <clears throat> um, I, I, it, it probably took me a good three or four months. But I started to live in the moment. Uh, some might say I, I was probably in it for too long. Um, uh, looking back, I don't have any regrets about that. Um, uh, just for the listeners, I, I probably stayed in the moment. I felt myself. I still still am today at times uh, for a good 18 months. Uh, I would help out when I could, um, obviously with my physical uh, issues. Um, I could help out Max when I could. He, he was so tolerant himself mm, of mm. me that he'd just say, look, Spillo, just, just drive the skid steer today. I obviously couldn't. He's a stonemason. I, I used to be quite a, a fit fellow, mm, mm, but mm. I'd lost so much weight. I think when I came out of the coma, I was only around 67 kilos, so there wow. wasn't a lot of me. And then I went, of course, of being in that moment, I, I then uh, I got up to 112 kilos, so obviously... And that wasn't from living with Max and Claire. I, I, got, <laughs> I got out of there and started to um, live my own life and do my own things and some silly things again and made some mistakes. But, um, you know, uh, when I found purpose of coming back and doing, say, this show, or not coming back, or creating uh, this show, uh, meeting so many uh, inspiring guests, um, having yourself each week, 
where I just learned so much uh, mm -hmm. from you both. Um, I know I owe uh, an enormous amount of gratitude for, for you. I, I say that each week. Thank you. And to, to the other members of, of the Men's Mental Health Show. But, <coughs> excuse me, for the listeners, I think coming out of that, that deep uh, place of despair, it's, it is an important thing to find. I don't think, you know, we don't necessarily have to say that you have to, to then, you know, make a lot of money, get yourself a house, get back up there, but find yourself, even if it is just a small amount, but a sense of purpose, it's such a, an important thing, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, um, to, to regain a sense of meaning in one's existence. I mean, without meaning, I think that is a recipe for uh, giving up for, uh, for suicidal thinking. Um, so we are obliged to find meaning. And I guess we have to um, sometimes uh, rework our sights. Um, you know, if we have ambition um, and we've got high sights, but things that actually intervene along the way um, and those expectations of ambition aren't realised, um, you know, then I think we have to recalibrate, if you like, our um, idea of who we are and what's possible in this world um, and find gratitude for the things that do exist, um, you know, within, within our reality. There's an interesting um, thing called um, the uh, Trauma Collective, uh, collectivetraumasummit.com. Um, so if you, you can Google that. It's coming up on the October the 12th, and it's healing around trauma. And it's using, um, you know, work, uh, workshops from uh, in inspirational speakers, um, from people who have a, a spirituality or a, se a sense of... Um, uh, the world other than the material world. It's looking at poetry, it's looking at um, um, music um, as a way of registering um, a sense of one's reality and transforming um, trauma. So trauma, um, most of us are familiar with trauma, say with, with uh, Vietnam vets or First World, Second World, you know, people have been caught up in wars or in natural disasters. So, so trauma is around um, all, all of us, and there's a long history of trauma from throughout generations, which do leave marks on us in the current time. Mm. Um, th but there's also trauma uh, from a whole variety of things, whether it's a, a motor vehicle accident, whether you have a serious injury, or whether um, you know, you're traveling along and you, there's a lump and the doctor um, says, oh, I'm sorry, uh, we're gonna have to treat you, you have a cancer. You know, these things bring trauma. Mm. Um, and they, what they do is they shatter the illusions of the ongoingness of existence. You're obliged to step back from your busyness and, and attend to a new, a, a new reality, mm. if you like. Um, so a lot of the problems of um, the, the world stem from trauma which is ongoing um, and that, there's a, and that we, ta we take insufficient time to allow people to recover from traumatic events um, or, we don't, we, or we pay no attention to their trauma so it just lingers on and on and on. So people then live diminished lives. Mm. So if, if we, Which essentially is what how, you know, for myself in many ways, which I'll come to in a moment. Yeah. So um, well, I'm inviting listeners to actually sort of, um, you know, check in with that uh, website, the collectivetraumasummit.com, and um, it's a free event. Uh, it runs over 10 days. You have to register with an email. Uh, that's the only requirement. Um, but there's some marvellous speakers, um, you know, throughout that whole 10 days that are reflecting on very deep issues that are pertinent to all of us, and all of us have our own losses 
um, uh, you know, as, as a real reality of being in a body in, in this world. Mm. So I think trauma is, a, um, is such a, um, a, a thing that, um, you know, even the fires that ripped through a whole lot of the communities um, has left marks on many, many people. And if we don't keep paying attention to the sorrow and the stories and that sort of stuff in the recovery journey, um, then we diminish those people in the reality um, that, uh, that, that affected their lives. The, th the problem with the news is that we have a two-day uh, blitz on an event and then, it's, and then it's no longer a news item. Yeah. And, then we, and then we associate that with the idea that whoever was involved in that particular news event, whatever it was, um, they've got over it, but they haven't. No. Um, yeah. You know, it just goes on <laughs> and on and on. So the more, you know, the, the, there's a lovely Dr. Ma, uh, Gabor Mate um, in the States, United States of America. He's written some really excellent sort of books on addictions and that sort of stuff. But all his clients that he's treated over 20 years had sexual abuse issues, um, uh, domestic violence problems, um, you know, awful lives blighted by other people's actions. Mm. Um, and they all sought resort, resort um, in their drugs of choice um, mm. to, to, man, to maintain an existence. And he was treating them, they were, nev they were never going to recover, they were just on medications to make their lives manageable. Um, and most of them, um, you know, were dead, uh, by their mid-40s uh, because of accumulated um, yeah. uh, uh, losses, um, infections, um, the body becoming gradually overwhelmed by the level of drug use that they were, they were using. But he, and he never uh, allowed himself to get too caught up in judgment. Um, and, the, and, and, and I guess what was interesting is that the rate of recovery in his practice was, was quite low. Um, right. Most people uh, continued their addictions until um, uh, until death um, ar yeah. arrived near the doorstep, but he said the the signature event in their lives was trauma, unresolved yeah. trauma. Yeah, yeah. And if you've got unresolved trauma, you're going to find some sort of um, addiction um, to, to to manage. I'm I'm look I I had myself as a child. Uh, uh, you know, as I, I uh, shared. Uh, with the listeners through my story, which was done, uh, I don't know, 16 months or so ago. You might be able to find it uh, on the page. But I had trauma as a, as a child with a, a, a virus which attacked my um, nervous system uh, and then subsequently some issues with a doctor I was seeing. It was very uncomfortable for a period. And I'm, I'm only till today starting to deal with that. Um, and that's... I'm talking 41 years, 40 yeah. years later, I'm starting to deal with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, is it difficult? Extremely at times. Uh, it, it's actually starting to become clearer. Uh, I can see the moments of when it actually happened becoming clearer now whilst I'm dealing with it. So, yeah, it is difficult. But essentially, the reason for me doing it is to hopefully being able to face... Um, these demons, put them behind me. Well, I don't think I'll ever be able to put them behind me, but essentially understanding what it is and why, um, and then uh, to not fall back into the habits of being, you know, self-medicating through, uh, you know, alcohol or drugs. I don't, I don't drink. I haven't. Mm -hmm. I mean, occasionally I'll have one, but mm. um, 
that's that's something that always lingers for me is is that worry of falling back into you know being self-medicating. Um, yeah. We talk about that incidentally when you when you were saying that a lot of these people that are they are then medicated, and we do say this, and I apologise if it is repetitive. But we talk about the 33 and a third method, which I refer to as the 33 and a third method. And if you are acutely depressed, then you know it is it, necess it isn't necessarily a bad thing that to, you turn to medications to help you get out of that. But uh, you know, physical exercise and therapy is what I regard as essential. Um, and, and once you come out of that acute stage, then walking every day, just making sure you get up and walk every single day. I remember before I went to Perth, I had a client of mine who was um, uh, back in, uh, in real estate and a hard man. And he said to me, he, he literally pulled my shirt to, to his face within two inches. And he said, I don't care what it is, but every day make sure you bloody do something. Get up and do something. And you know what, he, he was, I didn't, I got in the car, hooked the caravan, I went, went to Perth, put on mm -hmm. 25 kilos, but then got a dog and started to do that. And I could see, and, I, and I, I started to fall back into that hole. This is after Max and Claire, of course, I went on living by myself, I started to get lost. And, um, and I fell back into that habit again. Um, I'm not necessarily self-medicating, um, um, you know, with, with substances or anything like that, but, but I was, in the sense, you know, falling back into that deep place of despair once again, and he was right. I had to get up. I had to do something. Sure. I had to go for that walk. And I started, it, it, it turned things around for me. It, it was actually from that that I became involved or creating the show. Um, yes. and meeting some other terrific, inspiring people that, that helped me through that. There's a lot of people I have to thank, and I've mm, thanked them mm. throughout the, the, you know, the, mm. the, the duration of the Men's Mental Health Show. But, um, but, but what's marvellous, isn't it, that, is that you, you, you step out of your own preoccupation and the challenges of those preoccupations, and you go, actually, I want to talk to a wider audience about something that I understand, yeah. but I want to help others also to create some understanding and to come up with better strategies or better, um, you know, more uh, ways of dealing with the challenges of existence. If, if Camus was right that life is essentially absurd, but also life is essentially disappointing, and somehow or other we have to navigate that material, the more that um, people like you who, who uh, you know, explore these kind of things with us, familiarise ourselves with the, with, with the work that's required to become a, a full human being, mm. um, that to me makes a not, lot more sense um, than um, acquiring status via the number of properties that you might have. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, you know, or um, your success through yeah, yeah, gain. Or yeah, the, the, the usual sort of um, measurements of success of through status. Of what sort of, yeah, states yeah. is a... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's a measurement of your um, internal well-being, and an, and an, and an, and an, and, the, and the impact that you have on others that actually uh, um, grow their lives. I mean, that is a much more substantial measurement of value. Um, and I think, Brad, yeah. that's what I see with you is that you have grabbed the cudgels of actually opening up the dialogue for other people mm. um, to start to actually take a more productive look at their own situation and say, what do I, do, what do I need to do to help myself to, um, you know, to become a more fuller 
more instructive, more empowered, more enlivened human being. Mm. Uh, Thanks. Uh, Go on, Tim, to say, Bates. I want to sort of um, um, maybe read this poem again. Yeah, um, terrific. Yeah, this is know. something that was... Uh, I think you read this during uh, the show I had with my son, was, it, was that yeah, right? Yeah, with, yeah. with Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had well, Jeremy. well, I think it was the week after because I actually wrote it after that oh, that's, program. I beg your pardon. Yeah, yeah. That's right. But um, I might just explore parts of it as I go. But I was watching um, uh, Brad, because he's just mentioned on this show that at one stage he didn't have access to his children for a while because he was still recovering um, from um, the, 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 the challenges within himself. Um, but he carried a, a yearning uh, to have a, con con a connection with his children. Uh, so I had the privilege to be on a show here where I met uh, Jeremy, his son, um, and um, Bradley, um, and I was watching um, the energy between them. So the poem's called Holding. Their eyes met. The look was warm, liquid, holding a line to ancestors, etched into memory, and a dreaming lineage storied for courage. And, and I, I, you know, Brad's story about, about taking on the burden of his becoming is a story of courage. Uh, to, to, to work, to move towards transcendence from loss um, and keep holding on to oneself and himself and his children is a story of courage. And that's a, that is a dreaming lineage. And I think we have to draw from our ancestors and how they um, rose to the challenges of their existences. A boy's gaze to his father or the man standing in burns for knowledge. So what am I saying here? If a, if a boy hasn't got his father, there's often a good man standing in. But a boy burns for knowledge. What is the knowledge he's burning for? Not necessarily how to make a million bucks, um, but um, how to become a man that is not a predator, um, but is a powerful example of um, a man making a good difference. So he burns for knowledge that carries sacred observations of prior generations. A boy knows a yearning for transmission Laying on the skin of his ignorance, the baskets of knowledge gleaned from lives rooted in the toil of existence. So, so what I'm meaning there is that, you know, that we're required to teach our children how to manage existence and grow in stature and accomplishment in that, in that process. Um, and boys know that they don't know. They'll tell you they know everything, but they know they don't know. So what they're yearning for is that transmission. Um, that teaching, that instruction from their elders, from, from the wise women and men around them in their lives, so they have an understanding that they too can learn. Boys untouched in this way cannot hold a future because they're doomed to a terrible restlessness. If you don't have an initiation, if you don't understand the nature of existence, then you can't really construct a future the only future you construct is illusory or based on competition. It's not based on something substantial. So that terrible restlessness of where they um, are, uh, you know, are una unable um, you know, to construct a future also is a deadening of their reality. Until they, touched by shame or a woman's gaze, refine a meaning in their lives. 
bending the knee to a deeper knowledge held in the inner and outer landscape of all of us. This last verse I, I, um, I was watching and, um, and I was watching Jeremy watch his dad and what I saw was um, that in Bradley was when your eyes are kind and your voice trembles with your pride in me, I can tell you means so much to me. And so what, what I saw for Jeremy is that he was blossoming um, in his father's uh, pleasure and pride and tenderness um, in the reality of a son. So that, these are the profound transcending sort of kind of moments that empower a boy um, you know, to make his own way in the world. Because the paradox here is that, of course, a boy has to um, you know, step into the world in, in his own right, um, away from his dad, away from his mum, away from his sibs. He has to have an understanding of his own individuality, um, but he also has to be has to learn to 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 belong um, and to be in the embrace of family. Um, so that too is a paradox. We are individuals, but we also have the multitudes of the world within us. That's beautiful, Bates. Thanks. Um, uh, yeah, uh, for me, that's uh, <coughs> it's uh, quite moving. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I stewed over that uh, poem for, I think I read it a, a number of times, um, and I took, uh, I took a lot from that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I then I explained some of that to, to Jeremy, how I felt. Mm -hmm. um, of course... <laughs> You know, it, it, poetry, or it, to hear you explain, or your your meaning or reasoning behind some of that. Sometimes, uh, you know, it can be different for others. They might be able to take or, or see. Oh, okay. Well, that for me, that's what this means. But uh, for was pretty much spot on for how uh, I took for that. And and thank you. Um, um, it was uh, like a lot of things. I actually, as much as. I, I took some gratitude, self-gratitude from that um, and, and felt, uh, you know, good of myself. I actually, of I actually grew in ways from that since. Um, I've, I've only seen my son, I think, to, twice since that time. But, I, I mean, I go down and see him play uh, uh, rugby every Saturday, but it's a trip into Sydney and trip back. I don't really get him afterwards, but I had him on, on Father's Day. And uh, so I learned from that. Um, I'm actually, I actually enjoy learning. Um, I say mistakes are some of the greatest things in life. Well, as long as you learn from them. But uh, I, I still make a lot of those mistakes. Uh, not the same ones. I still well, yeah, I do. But but I'm learning from them, um, and I'm learning different ways. Um, mainly all good. Uh, still some bad. But you know, uh, I, I appreciate what you've. Um, uh, put there, it's, uh, it means a lot to me. Thank you. No worries. Um, thank you, because I saw something powerful um, it, which helped me to understand um, just how fathers are connected to their children. And while um, some of the evidence might look that, um, that we aren't, in fact, I think there is a deep connection that fathers have, and so, but sometimes the way we express that connection is... Um, undeveloped um, is um, rough and ready um, and we, we need a lot of um, guidance from other men um, 
to, uh, to understand how to become men. I think that's an ongoing sort of kind of reality, that we need more men to be dialoguing together about um, the more deeper reality of uh, what it is to become a man. And um, th that is not an easy piece of work um, um, at all. There's many ideas about how to become a man, but I think it is such an important piece of work to, uh, to ultimately grow up um, and to um, have a real appreciation of the many parts that exist within all of us that are clamoring for attention at different times and to be in um, the work of transcendence, of growing beyond the usual same old, same old, um, that in the end becomes stale and, 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 and unrequited. So th this deepening of the journey to become a man, I think is a very worthy um, uh, piece. Coming back to poetry, um, Gregory Orr, um, he's uh, still alive, he's a, a, a professor in literature in the United States of America. Um, poetry for him enabled him to come to terms with a hunting accident in which the gun that he was carrying accidentally discharged and killed his brother. Um, for many years um, he was in a state of uh, shock and um, and uh, coldness, um, but thankfully a teacher in his uh, school um, as a young fella uh, recognised that th this boy had something, um, he had a gift for words, and so she encouraged him to explore poetry. And in his writing, he began to articulate a reality for himself that included the tragic death of his brother in a way that was a transcendence. And this man has made his life um, um, a, a, a dedication to, uh, to his brother, but also to teaching all of us about the love of poetry and the power of poetry mm. and the power of transcendence that comes out of um, being able to write or being able to hear mm. poetry mm. that takes us beyond the surface reality of existence to a much deeper place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, beautifully said. And, and also too, uh, you know, or in, in, into songwriting, we had we were at Matt Tonks, yes. Matty Tonks, my my big brother, as I like to call him. He, yeah. You know, to hear him and, and his words and the way he puts things together, I've actually just started to play music again myself. Um, you know, it's a, it, I find the both of you, between the two of you, quite inspiring. So. Um, you know, that's a, another way of helping you come out of uh, perhaps where you are to get a sense of belonging um, to, to, to otherwise um, um, uh, describe or um, release, um, uh, you know, or just, you know, put it, putting down how you feel, yeah, yeah. you know, exactly. coming from that heart. Uh, you know, we often talk about that from your heart. Yeah, yeah. We'll go to a quick break here, Bodes, but, but I, I want to say, I do say this every week, of course, uh, Bodes, Bodie is lo located, Bodie Marsen, that's M-A-A-R-S-E-N, Bodie Marsen, uh, B-O-U-D-I, Bodie Marsen, M-A-A-R-S-E-N. He's located at Wentworth Falls, um, psychotherapy, um, 0424 416 969. Uh, it's the Men's Mental Health Show. Uh, you're with uh, Bradley Spillow Spillane, um, your host, and uh, Bodie Marson, psychotherapist. Um, uh, Bodie and I are off uh, 
obviously on every week. Um, it's apologies from um, uh, Nick Newling today, um, who uh, had a, uh, some issues with family and COVID, just uh, safety precaution, has had to postpone. I know a lot of people were, were looking to tune in and hear what Nick had to say, uh, international speaker, actually. I, I believe he's done a lot of talking um, uh, in the States and whatnot. Just want to say uh, a big thanks to, to Claire. That works uh, for us here on the Men's Mental Health Show. She's obviously set up the uh, website uh, and done a lot of Facebook stuff. Also um, edits each show uh, from the, the songs, obviously, because it goes across different platforms. Um, mm. We're now, I think, across 11 or 12 platforms. More than half of our listeners are actually from the States uh, for this show. Um, we, uh, I think it's near 16 or so countries that are... Um, I picked up on some of the podcasts, wow. uh, so it's each week um, it's growing. It's uh, it's terrific it, that that men are starting to come forward. Um, I think it's something that men should be proud of. Um, you know, it's um, your your biggest uh, weakness isn't to, to be uh, fear isn't to be perceived as being weak. Uh, I should say, um, you know, being vulnerable is a terrific thing. Um, you've seen some of that today, um, uh, this morning from myself and, and from Bodes as well. Um, I often like to, to present myself as an example um, uh, and, and state my cases as to where I've been or done my wrongs in the past. Uh, last week we did a show on domestic violence um, and uh, we had a terrific guest, Christopher Smith. Chris Smith came in from uh, Belong Here in the Mountains. That was a, a terrific show. But um, I, uh, I spoke about uh, my wrongdoings uh, in regards to domestic violence uh, when I uh, threw um, uh, my wife's belongings in the pool. Some people find that funny. Um, well, I guess looking back, we have to have a bit of a laugh about it. But um, the sense of ownership as how I felt at the time is wrong and we need to do uh, changes, men. Um, I want to say a, a shout out to uh, a couple of people. Uh, a big shout out, of course, to uh, local uh, Gundamgara elder uh, Dave Smith, uh, Dave King. Sorry, Dave King, the King. Um, I talk to, to to the King often through the week. Um, just a, a truly, I, I think the only word to describe for me. Well, there's many words you could describe David King, but to me, he's a beautiful man. Um, he's a uh, very humble, very caring, loving, kind. Mm. I think "kind" is is uh, is a perfect fitting word for for David. Um, doing a lot of stuff, of course, down in the back here of um, the Katoomba Gully uh, near the um, uh, Aquatic Centre. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep. uh, Bodes Katoomba. is going to go in, go along and, and help in, in when he can. And if I'm up to it, I'll of course get into it. David does a lot of stuff in the community, so. Uh, to the king, mate, uh, just saying g'day. Um, Claire, uh, myself and uh, uh, we're working with uh, Susan Templeman's office um, trying to get a, um, the Indigenous Aboriginal flag up here with Katoomba police, hoping that uh, they're happy to uh, fly the flag outside their station. Um, I think that by doing that, it gives a sense of uh, belonging or, or, you know, working alongside uh, let's put the past behind us. I know it's a difficult thing to say. Um, there's a lot of issues, obviously. If anybody's had an issue with the police, for whatever reason, you, you can have your differences back and forth. But I think if uh, once we, we fly flags alongside each other, as we do here at uh, the TAFE building here in Katoomba, um, I, it makes me proud to see the Australian flag with the 
Aboriginal flag we see it at the courthouse see it at many other police stations so it'll be a lovely thing to see uh, Katoomba police uh, coming along and, and, and doing something like that but what do you think mate? Well I think it's very um, uh, symbolic of uh, inclusion um, and an acknowledgement of um, um, Indigenous uh, pe people um, the, you know the mountains have a very strong history uh, right in the back of my place, um, there's 22,000 years of carbon-dated um, human occupation um, in a little uh, cave. 22,000 years. And, um, you know, we were continuing to refine um, carbon dating and, um, we, you know, there's much even longer time frames, 40 to 50,000 years of human habitation in the mountains. So just the sheer reality of the longevity of, uh, of Aboriginal people's um, uh, ability to, um, to be in this uh, environment um, is enormously worthy of um, acknowledgement and inclusion. And I think, you know, it, um, the symbolic power of flying the Aboriginal flag is undeniable. Mm. Um, mm. Of course, um, <clears throat> you know, some people uh, need to go, yeah, Absolutely, good on you, fantastic, love the idea. And others, um, you know, may have a different sort of view or um, are unused to that idea or have some sort of concerns or considerations around it. So, you know, all of us are um, moving towards a powerful um, um, recognition. Not, and it's, it's such a weird thing to say, isn't it, to, to say, because it should be a given. But the reality for is me, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, the well, and, but the reality for many, it's not. Um, <coughs> you know that um, um, they're still um, we're troubled, if you like, by the idea that there is another history embedded in the Australian landscape than the one um, that is uh, um, when Captain Cook, uh, you know, discovered, uh, you know, Australia. Um, that there's another uh, powerful um, tradition, and so. You know, you know, um, I think people like uh, David King um, have some marvellous um, stories to tell of the dignity that Aboriginal people have brought to this area, uh, the Gundagara people, um, and their ways are steeped in the trails, um, you know, that, that crisscross the Blue Mountains. So, yeah. like you, Brad, a shout-out, and let's, um, let's keep... Uh, bringing other people in to support the idea that the Aboriginal flag can coexist with the Australian flag um, at the police station, given that the police represent, if you like, um, that um, that emblem, that um, that energy, um, people um, of um, that we that that we learn to self-regulate, um, and sometimes we need the police to bring the power of their authority uh, vested under the country um, in, um, you know, in, into the streets and into our realities. Um, yeah. And it needs to... Um, Let's get the community to have some unity. Let's yeah, unify yes. the community. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a marvellous... Um, Let's learn uh, from what's happened over there in the, uh, you know, ununited states or the divided states, yeah. as yeah. I call it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. absolutely. You know, <laughs> the last thing we want is is for further things for, like that to happen. And we're seeing a lot of that at the moment in, in Victoria. I don't want to sort of get too political. I'm not too intelligent on, on the political side of things. I only sort of react to, um, uh, you know, what I see, what mm -hmm. I read. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. um, but, but uh, you know, I, I sometimes... Uh, 
and I, I still get a little bit hot under the collar by it when I see uh, seven police officers, you know, taking away a, a father with a two-year-old and a six-month-old because he's 800 metres outside of the five kilometre. Whatever, let's work alongside, let's, let's be together. The last thing we want is to see what's happening over there in the States. And, you know, yeah. I mean, these, these you know, <laughs> um, you know I, I think... Um, uh, we saw it, there was someone that I, I saw the other day that uh, said, Let this COVID's not real. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry <laughs> it is. People are dying. Yeah. Um, for whatever reasons, whatever it is, I think we need to have respect towards each other. Yeah, uh, I yeah. think people, you know, it, it, respect isn't something that you, you, you demanded to give. It's something that you earn. Um, and once respect is lost, you've got to earn that back. And that, Absolutely. and that's a, that's within the the Aboriginal community, um, and and Dave would be the first to say that. But that's also within the police, and um, you know we need to work together and and have that sense of, of belonging. Um, yeah, look, I think fathers can be uh, have been heavy-handed around managing their sons and their daughters. Yeah, um, and they you know they they have needed to be corrected um, in that regard. Me, I, I, first of all, I yeah. put my hand up. Yeah, particularly um, with my daughter. Yeah, yeah. And so learning, um, you know, to come from um, a, a tenderness and a respect for a child who, who maybe is acting out or has sort of been a little bit difficult in that particular moment. But it's, and it's true that the police too, um, um, some of them have probably reacted um, in a way that's driven by rage and anger. Um, and um, have overstepped the, um, the mark. So that's a given. And they're human, uh, mate. You and, know. And, and absolutely uh, they're human. And there are um, checks and balances within the police force. Yes. Um, and they need to be there because sometimes, um, you know, we do act in a way that is um, far greater than um, the situation would warrant. Sure. Um, as, as, as I have as a father, at, at, at one point I remember smacking my son um, and using way too much force um, in that regard. And I had to have my wife at the time um, scream at me never to do that again. Um, you know, and that was a salutary lesson on my, on my part. And it's the same. Um, so I think it, what we're looking for is inclusion and respect. Um, uh, good and, word. There's yeah. another good word. Inclusion. Inclusion and, and respect. respect. And I think what, uh, uh, flying the, fla the Aboriginal flag is um, a powerful symbolic action of inclusion. Yeah, so, very what? well said, Bodes. I think um, I, I think we would we, we'll believe it there, but yep. I think that that's um, that's very well said. And um, you know, um, anyway, so it's uh, a shout out to to our, um, um, our Aboriginal listeners. Um, I know uh, we're growing in numbers in that sense. Um, I'd like to have um, I'd like to invite uh, more um, uh, of our Indigenous community to come on and join us on the show. Um, and on that note, if, if you or anyone you know um, has uh, a good story or uh, something to offer within um, the community, it doesn't necessarily have to be involved with, with men's mental health. It can be involved with, with anybody's mental health. Um, you know, we're open to, to ideas, to suggestions or to guests um, uh, to come and join us and, and share your story. Ultimately, um, real stories, real raw emotions, some of what you've heard earlier on in this show, um, are, are what uh, I find we can learn more from uh, real stories as opposed to um, hearing about others or reading, um, uh, but uh, hearing the real stuff coming first hand is, um, 
that's what Absolutely. that's what really gets your grits, isn't it? It's yeah, what yeah. gets that yeah. gets the uh, gets the blood flowing. Look, um, the, the common person stories are, are, are the you know the, they are the bedrock of this country. Mm. Um, Simone Wheel, um, she worked uh, with people on the ground um, in ordinary jobs. She didn't want to hobnob, you know, with those people who are holding um, office or um, you know positions of power or that sort of stuff. She worked with the artisans, with the uh, cooks, uh, people on the ground. Um, she spent her life dedicated to working with the common people because wow. there is a powerful story in the common, um, in, in, in all of us who are just a, av average blows and uh, average Joes, if you like, and average Ma Marys. Um, but your stories are uh, nonetheless um, powerful and authoritative and uh, part of the fabric and, and weave of this country. And so, um, backing up what Brad said, bring your stories, bring your stories of courage, bring your stories of disappointment, bring your stories of exhaustion, bring your stories of, of um, transcendence, because um, that's what inspires all of us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, absolutely. Yeah. I, I get it. I mean, I, uh, I you know, Hearing some of those stories from former police officers, I think, um, well, hey, mm. listen, we've got the general coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, uh, of course, uh, Blue Phillips, yep. who's, a, who's a, a member of the team, and good mate of yours. Yep. Mate, he inspires me. Yes, absolutely. There, there's a man that get you know, over 50 years of service to, to our country. Um, speaking of over 50 years of service... He had his 50th wedding anniversary he recently. Did. Recently, yeah. The gold, man. Yes. The general's gone gold. So if you're listening there, Blue and Sharon, congratulations. Uh, so we, thanks so much uh, again coming up, giving your time. Um, 0424416969. That's Bodie's number. Straight off the cuff. I'm not even looking at the 80 Cologne to check that one out. The 80 Cologne's a phone, incidentally. 0424416969. If you've got any suggestions, check uh, or, or questions, uh, www.mensmentalhealthshow.com. Mensmentalhealthshow.com, of course. Check us out on the Facebook page or Bradley Spillane on the Facebook page. Or you can send me a text or a call, 0404 Uh Big thanks, of course, to Noel Pope, uh, the Greater Lawson Community, uh, to Dale Hunt uh, and Mounties Group down there, uh, doing some terrific things in the community. And uh, Bodes, what else you got for us before we sign off, mate? Just uh... um, Well... I came up here on the motorbike, the, uh, the sun was out, I thought I'd give the old girl a fang, she's a uh, 2012 uh, Honda Shadow, um, had a lot of fun uh, firing her up and heading I, up I here. Saw, I saw her here, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, looking forward Were to Were you it. a good boy coming up the hill boat? Yes, yes, I um, you was know, following all the sort of required <laughs> speed, speed adjustments and that sort of stuff. Because um, no, you had not. some fun. I think you were saying you had some fun a couple of months ago, didn't you? Yes, yes, uh, yes, I did. Coming up through um, yeah, Lapstone. Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, yeah. Coming up from Penrith right up the hill yeah. and uh, pushing along a little bit. Um, uh, oh, good yeah. on you, mate. Good yeah, uh, once. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps himself uh, tremendously fit, and um, you know, as we talk about uh, the boatster and uh, and the general when they get on that badminton court. Um, you know, mate, good on you. I think it's awesome. Yeah, you know, no, no, it's a lot, it's a lot uh, of fun. It's a lot you know, you, as I say, you, you, you two are growing younger. Well, look, <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I think Blue's just turned 71. I've got, I'm a, a couple of months behind him. 
Um, you know, if you keep your body well um, and your spirits well, um, you're a very fortunate man uh, and a very fortunate woman if you're keeping yourself well. Um, and, um, you know, I encourage people to invest in um, emotional health, psychological health, and, and physical health, uh, because that, that's the only way that we can actually be in this world, um, is through the power of our faculties. So whatever faculties that you have, um, I love them and nourish them mm. and nourish yourself because um, life is beautiful um, in that regard. Isn't it what? Thanks. Isn't it what? Life is beautiful. There yeah. you go, folks. You've heard it from uh, Bodie Marson. Got a second that. Uh, anyway, uh, all the best, everyone. Um, beautiful day, incidentally, up here at Katoomba. Uh, it's cracking up to near 23 degrees. Uh, that, I think that's the first time since, um, oh, March. Anyway, I know we, we're in for a, quite a, a nice day. And to, to everyone out there, be kind. Uh, um, love always wins. And uh, we'll see you next week on the Men's Mental Health Show at 11 a.m. Don't forget to uh, tune in uh, to, through our Facebook pages. Uh, all the best. <laughs>